And it's Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it is. Yes, it is indeed. It is Friday, and I am Tony Vizic, and you are listening to and watching Living on a Thin Line. In just a second, you'll be watching it on Facebook Live, too. Uh, there we go. Ladies and gentlemen, ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com, YouTube channel Comedy Schools, and Facebook Live on the Tony Vizic page. We bring you Living on a Thin Line every day at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. This is your daily diversion from all the anxiety, weirdness, and hoopla going on in the world today. Um, so uh, this show is built around a few things, uh, interaction with you as you post comments and ask questions. We uh, respond to them to the best of our ability. Uh, beyond that, we also uh, show you some knickknack or memorabilia or something that is of some important source that is laying around right here in the home office of ComedySchools.com. And um, also then we recommend either two artists or albums or pieces of music based on my vast vinyl album collection. Instead of me telling you why the music is important to me, sometimes I do tell you a story behind it, I urge you then to uh, check out the music. And I got a couple of uh, oddball treats for you today uh, that... Um, uh, that uh, you may or may not, one you've definitely heard of, but I don't know if you've really listened to closely, and one you may not have ever heard of at all. And I'm going to recommend, uh, I've got two pieces of vinyl today, vinyl albums, both of them older than dirt, but uh, greater than uh, greater than the glory of God. That might be considered blasphemy. I don't mean to blaspheme. If you're one who um, uh, believes in blaspheme and thinks I blasphemed, um, I didn't mean to. Um, I got my first Facebook warning today, and uh, I'm not going to kick about it, but uh, there was a, a fella of uh, the right-wing persuasion who was, uh, uh, in uh, my estimation, uh, belittling people and uh, uh, attempting to, uh, uh, through uh, the power of his thumbs on his phone, uh, emasculate people, and uh, I came back with a comment, and uh, uh, the guy's like a weightlifter guy who's like, uh, it looks like one of those weightlifters who... Uh, probably uh, hasn't achieved his goals just through weightlifting alone, but maybe through a better living through chemicals concept. And um, uh, I made reference to what uh, uh, chemicals can do to a person's mind and uh, um, uh, reproductive organs. And um, I got flagged, <laughs> flagged for saying it. And if I get one more, they'll kick me off for 24 hours. So knowing me, I may get kicked off. It was my first, first offense. First time an offense was reported. So uh, uh, <laughs> if you end up not seeing me for a day or two, you'll know the reason why. Tim Lawson, you made it again. Every day, Tim. Every day is a good day when we everybody uh, say hello to our friend Tim Lawson. Hey, a couple things going on right now I want to tell you about. Tonight at 7 p.m., I, uh, <clears throat> I am the host of Class Clowns, which is the longest running comedy showcase in the Valley of the Sun in the greater Arizona area. It has been going on nonstop since uh, September of 2001. Or, uh, excuse me, maybe October of 2001. It's been going on nonstop for that long. It is the show that has seen people go all the way from their very first show to national television. Tonight at 7 p.m. exclusively on Zoom, a pay. Uh, but you know what? No, it's not a pay-per-view event. It is free. And if you would like to witness this event, if you'd like to say that you were present at the creation when one or more of these fine people that you see tonight go on to uh, uh, bigger and better things, all you got to do is write to me, Tony Visick at comedy schools at hotmail.com or, or uh, 
send me a uh, message via Messenger at Tony Visick, V-I-C-I-C-H, and I'll send you a uh, Zoom code for that particular show, and you can enjoy it. Bunch of comics on that show tonight. A lot of fun. And, of course, Sunday night we have our paid show, Tony Visick Presents, Sunday Night's Funnier. This week's headliner, Mary Upchurch. When you see her, you will say what we say. Wow, isn't it, why isn't this girl famous already? Great show, Sunday night. Only 10 bucks. Go to ComedySchools.com for tickets. Uh, when you buy a ticket, you're not only help, helping to pay artists, you're also helping uh, to donate to local food banks in our area. All right, so that's the uh, commercials. We got them out of the way. Uh, I just want to say right now that my heart goes out to the people of Midland, Texas. Um, I've been to Midland, Texas. Uh, no, not, I'm not, sorry, not Midland, Texas. My heart goes out to them because they're in Texas. Uh, my heart goes out to the people of Midland, Michigan. Midland, Michigan. Now, I've been to Midland, Michigan. Okay, I uh, played there as a comic uh, from the uh, from about 1986 all the way up through somewhere in the um, mid to late 90s. I spent almost every March of my life in Michigan, March, April. Sometimes it would be freezing and snowing. Sometimes it'd be hot and sunny. But uh, right as that we were getting near spring, March and April, I would be in Michigan touring as a stand-up comic. Uh, working for a uh, a company called the Funny Business Agency, ran by a wonderful man named John Yoder. And John Yoder, like uh, so many other great promoters of that era, um, gave opportunity to so many young people who were entering into the world of stand-up, including yours truly. And I would go up there and work for six weeks every year from the beginning of March through April. Uh, my original road agent, Sandy, uh, got me the gig first. And then I went up there all the time. And I played all the towns in Michigan, I played Saginaw on Big Rapids and Grand Rapids and Kalamazoo and Lansing and Detroit and Sault Ste. Marie and uh, Ann Midland. And uh, they've had, um, uh, uh, Tim Lawson says, uh, she was with you in St. Louis. She's great. Referencing you, Cheryl. Referencing you. So uh, thank you. Thank you, Tim, for saying so. Um and you're not going down without a fight, my friend. You are not going down without a fight, Tim. Uh, Tim had a little uh, heart situation, but he's still with us. So, uh, and you stick with us, pal. So, during the 80s and 90s, I was in Michigan all the time. Uh, one of the, uh, the important events in my life was meeting and becoming friends with uh, Bill Hicks. And we met and uh, toured and played Midland, Texas, uh, Midland Michigan together along with Lansing and Grand Rapids and Big Rapids and Saginaw and Detroit. Uh, so I know Michigan rather well. I am fond of Michigan and the people of Michigan. And I think uh, I met a lot of great people there all those years of touring, doing stand-up. So uh, this historic and epic breach of dams there, which is basically flooding out uh, entire, uh, entire communities, is heartbreaking to watch. Totally preventable. Okay, but for some reason, for the last 30 or 40 years, we have decided in America not to invest in infrastructure. Our grandfather's generation, they invested in infrastructure. They built the dams, the highways, the roads, the electrical grid, all of that. But we don't want to pay for anything. We don't, ah, taxes. I don't want to, you know, look, I don't want to pay taxes. You don't want to pay taxes. No one wants to pay taxes. But now we're not paying to keep critical infrastructure up to speed, and we're seeing, uh, we're seeing a failure of dams in Michigan, which are flooding out entire communities 
and it's a damn shame. That's as far as I'm going with it politically. I just would say my heart goes out to all the people who are impacted by this. Which brings us to our first little piece of trivia today, okay? So I'm going to show you something here. I got it back here. It's a book. Hold on. And we've used this book on the show before, okay? Just to reference stuff. And what I want to show you is this is a book of front pages. <laughs> it's not very well put together. Of the LA Times. So I just want you to kind of see it, and then I'll read it to you. I want you to see it. And you can't read it, of course. But uh, the name of the book is uh, Front Page, 100 Years LA Times. So the, um, the, head, the, uh, the uh, front page of the LA Times I was showing you right there is the Wednesday morning edition, March 14th, 1928. March 14th, 1928. Daily was, it was five cents, by the way. Uh, their slogan was all the news all the time, uh, in three parts, 44 pages. The headline was March 14th, 1928, 200 dead, 300 missing, $7 million loss in St. Francis dam disaster. So what was the St. Francis dam disaster? I'll tell you what it was. And then thousands rushed to aid work of rescue and relief scores more thought to be buried in debris of wild waters there's a partial list of the people that went on uh the saint francis dam let me show you because it's it's kind of cool to look at the saint francis dam existed in what is now uh the castaic area if you know uh if you know Southern California, if you know the Los Angeles area, you know that there is a magic mountain uh, out in the uh, uh, Castaic area where the giant Castaic Dam is. But originally there was a St. Francis Dam. <clears throat> the St. Francis Dam was a giant earthen dam built to hold water for irrigation for the San Fernando Valley, which was uh, uh, pretty new at the time as far as being developed into a, uh, a place for people to live and uh, for electricity. And the dam was designed and created by the legendary William Mulholland. Uh, there's a Mulholland Drive in Los Angeles. Uh, William Mulholland also designed the entire uh, irrigation system, or helped design the entire irrigation system that brought water from Northern California to Southern California and made Los Angeles livable and gave it the ability to become the gigantic metropolis that it is by bringing water from the Owens Valley. Uh, William Mulholland was a legend, a god in Los Angeles, one of the true elite, and justifiably so, because he had brought water to the desert. And his, uh, one of his final projects was the St. Francis Dam, a gigantic earthen dam that held a huge lake that brought water and electricity to uh, what was basically practically an uninhabitable area, uh, or only inhabitable by, by a few uh, he made it so it was uh, that, that hundreds of thousands, if not millions, I think, could live there. But on that morning in March, that giant dam gave way, total collapse, and a wave of water rushed from the Castaic area all the way to the Pacific Ocean, seven miles away. A giant tidal wave of water 
and washed away, I think eventually, I want to say 700, maybe even more than that. There weren't a lot of people living there. Just washed them away. William Mulholland was destroyed, distraught. He never quite got over it. He died a pariah, from hero and God to pariah. And he was almost driven mad as he went over his figures again, went over his engineering, his slide rules, whatever, and could not figure out what possibly could have gone wrong. And it wasn't until decades later, as geology uh, had advanced more, that they realized that there was something having to do with the sediment in the soil that would have uh, lent to the possibility of a, of a colossal uh, dam uh, failure that they could not detect at the time. So based on the knowledge and information William Mulholland had, nothing could, should have gone wrong. But there was another fly in the ointment. But imagine that, that you're living there and a giant dam burst, just burst, and a wall of water carries for seven miles, seven miles to the ocean. So no matter what we do, ladies and gentlemen, no matter how hard we try, there's going to be tough times, weird times, and accidents. Some are preventable, some are not. The dams that are now being breached in Midland, Michigan, that's entirely preventable. They have been warned about it for decades. But years and years and years of not wanting to invest in infrastructure are beginning to come home to roost. So you think about that. You think about that. All right. So I showed you a piece of trivia, and, uh, uh, and we, uh, uh, we talked a little history, okay? And I told you about the shows that got coming up. Uh, also, man, have you ever thought about doing stand-up comedy? And you know what? Now's a great time to start, and I'll tell you why. Now's a great time to start, because we're entering into a new era. I believe that. I'm going to tell you this. In the last Great Recession, I predicted, okay, not like, it wasn't like, I predict, and it wasn't, you know, on a mass scale, but I told everybody, they go, what's going to happen with stand-up comedy because um, everybody went broke, no one could go to clubs. I go, it's going to continue on, but it's going to be much more localized, at least. They go, what do you mean? I said, well, I said, people are not going to be able to afford for a while to go to the large clubs and pay big money to see these major acts, uh, and they're not going to want to drive far. And also with drinking and driving laws becoming more strict, they're going to go to local places and see local shows. So instead of driving 20 miles to the major comedy club in your city or 30 miles or 10 miles, you're going to go to some place within five miles of your house, some little local pub where some kids are putting on a show. And of course, we now know that that type of entertainment, uh, from, especially from about 2008, 2009 on, exploded and became gargantuan that uh, uh, you can't barely throw a rock without hitting a club that has a stand-up comedy night. I predicted that. What am I predicting for now? I'll tell you what I'm predicting for now. Is that comedy, comedy clubs will still exist. Okay, it'll be quite some time before you've got that room that's packed full of people sitting knee to knee and shoulder to shoulder. Okay, strangers huddled over a small table. All right, while a, a comic within close proximity uh, spews at them. It's going to be quite some, it's going to be some time, six months, a year, maybe longer before we return to that. But clubs will open up with social distancing policies and we're going to do one. My, uh, my company is uh, going to promote one uh, June 28th at a great club called Stir Crazy and Glow 2, but they're not going to be able to uh, seat legally at capacity. But people still want to laugh. People still need to laugh. I'm not going to say that we're essential workers. We're not, you know, nurses and doctors and firemen and the people that process our food, and the people that deliver our food, that's essential. <clears throat> but we are important. 
We are important. And there's going to be new and different ways to deliver these shows. And the type of social media shows you see right now bubbling up, very raw as everybody begins to work out how to do it, very new, very confusing, mistakes being made while the show's being produced, etc. This is the new wave, mini pay-per-view. That's what I'm calling it, mini pay-per-view. We're all used to pay-per-view where you have to pay for an event or pay for a movie to watch it in your television or your home. Uh, and they're usually events that are going to attract uh, uh, thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions. Mini pay-per-view will be the new wave in stand-up comedy. And you, you uh, 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 let's see, uh, Karen Lynch says, comedians are more essential to counselors. I'm not going to argue that. You know, I'm not going to put down counselors either. You know, it depends on what kind of counselor you're talking about. You mean like a lawyer? Uh, okay, counselor, you have to tell us what's going on. Did you ever see that movie? What was it? Was it called The Counselor? Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of podcasters out here. There are. There are. You know, there's a lot of that out there. Um, you know, as radio got stranger and weirder with uh, the Communication Act of 1996, which allowed a few companies to buy up all the, uh, uh, the major stations and get rid of a lot of people and really homogenize uh, American radio even more than it was. You saw the rise of podcasters. Uh, you got to cut through a lot of muck and mire to find the great ones, but they are out there. And now what you're going to see in stand-up comedy are more shows being done via social media where comics can reach a larger audience. And the technology will improve, and the ability to deliver it will improve, and the ability for the comic to be able to hear the laughter will improve. It's going to improve rapidly over time. But that's going to become a viable alternative to getting in your car and driving down to the local club. I'm still going to go to a local club as soon as it's safe. And I think by June 28th, hopefully it will be. You are too. But oftentimes I'm going to go, all right, I can stay home tonight and watch these great local or regional or national comics for five or ten bucks right here on my computer, right here on my phone. And I'm going to do that. That's going to be the next new big thing. That is not going away. When the virus goes away... Many pay-per-view events will not go away. And you remember that you were here today on this Friday, May 22nd, when I told you so. We made this prediction together. Uh, Randy says, Randy Oma says, lawyers are not essential. No, Randy, unless you need one. The only, your lawyers are essential if someone else calls you or if someone else, there's a phone rings and somebody goes, I represent so-and-so. Or if there's a knock on your door and someone smacks you in the chest with a bunch of papers that you've been served, then a lawyer is essential. Okay. All right. I've kind of uh, gone on and on today. Hey, remember, uh, the big thing is this Sunday night, ladies and gentlemen, Mary Upchurch, uh, Tony Visick presents. Please check that out. And if you ever thought about doing stand-up comedy, go to comedyschools.com and sign up for one of three things we got going. Our beginning classes, our advanced classes are direct from me via Zoom or FaceTime or Messenger, one-on-one uh, -on -one, uh, consultation where I can help you turn your ideas into something uh, fun and entertaining for small and large groups, okay? All right. <coughs> Excuse me. What? What? What are you laughing about? Is there a comment? No. What? Like what? I'm talking to them. Hmm. Okay. Let's get to the music because the music matters. Area under my uh, guise of uh, under my philosophy, not my guise uh, of uh, we in in order to really keep our brains uh, 
functioning and wonderful and creative. Uh, old Everything old must be made new again. I have a vast vinyl album collection sitting uh, all crammed into all sorts of nooks and crannies around this room. Albums I've had since I was before uh, pre-teen all the way up till recently. And stopped listening to them years ago as there were other ways to uh, access music. And I started going through them again going, damn it, I'm going to listen to these. Now, the first one I'm going to show you is this one. You know this guy. I just want to show you. This is uh, the original. The original album on which you could purchase the piece of music by Tony Bennett that is now a classic and a mainstay in in the American songbook, I Left My Heart in San Francisco. Look at that album cover. All right, I don't know what year this is exactly. Uh, Columbia Records, all right. They usually put years on record albums for some reason. So here it is uh, in stereo. I left my heart in San Francisco, Tony Bennett. I got this for 99 cents somewhere. It's in mono, not even in stereo. That's how far back it goes. Picture of Tony, picture of the Golden Gate Bridge, all right? Uh, Kind of a poorly designed album cover, but really indicative of a style of the time. Okay, on this, of course, was, uh, let's see, uh, the best is yet to come. A lot of standards. Best is yet to come. I'm always chasing rainbows. Mary Young, Rules of the Road. Have I told you lately from uh, the Broadway production, I can get it for you wholesale. Uh, Candy Kisses, Taking a Chance on Love, Taking a Chance on Love, Love for Sale, Smile, which I believe is the old Charlie Chaplin tune. Uh, I don't know if you know the tune, Smile. Smile. Written by Charlie Chaplin for one of his movies. Uh, Tender is the Night from the 20th Century Fox film, Tender is the Night. Once Upon a Time from the Broadway production, All-American. And on this album, I Left My Heart in San Francisco. Uh, which has become uh, one of the great American classics. And Tony Bennett right now is a legend in American classic, uh, the last of the great crooners. The crooners started with Bing Crosby, uh, reached their zenith with Frank Sinatra, and uh, then uh, just a plethora of them from Jerry Vale and on and on. Uh, And Tony Bennett is the last and was one of the best. Just let me read you what it says here on the back of the album. Tony Bennett's vocal artistry, always notable for its glowing intensity, is heard here in a dozen songs that help make into memorable successes both a single record and a public performance. Whether the song is sophisticated or simple, Tony has his own special way of making its mood spring unforgettably into life. I Left My Heart in San Francisco is not only the title song of his new album, this album was new, But a single record has been one of Tony's biggest hits. He interprets this beautiful ballad in its most spine-tingly vocal style and gives the haunting lyrics an especial sensitive reading. And that's what Tony Bennett can do, and that's what a great singer or a great musical artist can do. They can create a mood with their voice, a mood with their voice. So go back and revisit Tony Bennett if you haven't, because you'll like it. You'll love it. You'll like it, like it, like it. You'll love it, love it, love it. Uh, And now for something completely different. Okay, and you got to go back deep. All right, this is Gil Scott Heron. And you don't know Gil Scott Heron. Okay, but Gil Scott Heron was an incredibly important artist in the evolution 
of modern American music, and especially in the field of rap, and in politically uh, uh, politically important uh, music. And this is put out on Flying Dutchman Productions. I don't know. Uh, and uh, the uh, songs were The Revolution Will Not Be Televised, Sex Education, Ghetto Style, Get Out of the Ghetto Blues, No Knock, Last Day and John Coltrane, Peace of Man, Home is Where the Hatred Is, Brother, Save the Children, Whitey on the Moon. Do you hear what they said? Now, the very first song became the most famous. The Revolution Will Not Be Televised. The Revolution Will Not Be Televised. Gil Scott Heron was part of the, uh, um, what was then known as the Black Militant Movement, primarily as an artist. Um, he, uh, he had difficulty later on in life, as so many of those, uh, those warriors did. The Black Panthers, uh, the Black Panthers are much maligned in, American, uh, in the American story. Uh, they were vilified, they were hunted, they were murdered, right? Um, and the, uh, the uh, company line that was put out about them being uh, thugs and thieves was totally untrue. They just weren't going to take anybody's shit. Gil Scott Heron's music didn't take anybody's shit. It was strong. It was in your face. It was revolutionary, okay? His main theme in uh, The Revolution Will Not Be Televised was that uh, it's not going to be packaged and pre-sold. Unfortunately, Gil Scott Heron was wrong. The, as we saw in the movie um, Network, the uh, revolution did become packaged and pre-sold. That's what America does. It absorbs things. Right now, we have this terrible virus that is changing our life. Um, the Black Panthers are trying to feed the community. That is correct, Todd. Um, and that's why I said what I said, and people should research that a little bit. And Gil Scott Heron was a revolutionary, revolutionary musical artist, jazz artist. Uh, you, see, uh, you see some of the very beginnings of rap music in his early, early music from the early 70s. It's from 1974. Okay, it was revolutionary, in-your-face political music. He was saying the revolution wouldn't be televised, but it was. And that's what we do, we absorb it. Someone's a revolutionary, and then uh, if they go to prison for a year or two, then they, go to, they write a book, and then they go to Hollywood, and they turn it into a movie, and they move to Beverly Hills, and they walk a small dog. It's not a bad life, but it's not a revolutionary life. Um, right now, we are learning how to package the virus. All right, the virus is now being used politically. It's not being cult used culturally. It's not being used socially. That's what's happening. Uh, where are all, if, if it was a different time, a different place, our entire, our entire thrust would be on testing, tracing, treatment, vaccine. Testing, tracing, treatment, vaccine. But instead, we are going in a million different directions, a million miles an hour. Who's right, who's wrong, I don't know. I don't know. I know what I'm doing. And I hope whatever you're doing, you keep yourself safe, sane, and sober. And I want to help you kind of do that by uh, doing what I actually know how to do. Okay, I hear people go, I did my research. I go, you went on what, the super secret internet? You know, the internet that nobody knows? By the way, I know all the internet. I've had a tour. I've had a tour. Uh, I've been, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been able to get on tour. I've looked at DuckDuckGo. I've looked at everything. There's nothing particularly out there that you know that I don't know or that I know that you don't know. So what I'm doing is what I can do, and that is uh, do shows like this. You know, try to keep them fun, try to keep them light. I kind of got semi-serious a little bit today. Uh, 
Also to uh, uh, stay in touch with friends and family, all right, to support one another emotionally at the very least, and also to offer you some fun things, some comedy shows, some productions, some workshops so you can take your creative ideas and put them together. That's what I know how to do. That's what I'm going to do. You do what you know how to do. You do you. (laughs) All right, I got to go. I got a show tonight. It's going to be fun. All right, I also got a show Sunday night. Please attend that one. Go to ComedySchools.com for tickets. I think that's it for the day. Tony Bennett, Gil Scott Heron. Those are our recommendations for the day. Go to YouTube and put in their names. Tony Bennett, Gil Scott Heron. You'll be glad that you did. My name's Tony Vizic. Tomorrow, I come back at a special time, 7 p.m. Every Saturday night, we have our 7 o'clock Saturday night show. Uh, we're doing it just for you, so you got something to do on Saturday night. For my producer, happens to be my wife, Shirley Lowe Vizic. I want to thank you for watching today. I'll see you tomorrow at 7 on Living on a Thin Line. Bye-bye.